Welcome, everybody. Today on the show, Peter Campo. Peter Campo is the best-selling author of Emergent Approach to Strategy. After earning a doctorate in chemical engineering and a background in music, he spent 25 years with DuPont in a wide range of leadership positions. His work is based on seeing the adaptive patterns of innovation in all these areas uh, and experience. And, you know, bottom line, one of the things that a lot of us get confused about, for lack of better terms, or distracted by is the fact that, you know, sometimes we think that if we're really busy, we're being productive. And if, you know, as long as we have a list of, a long list of goals and, you know, all these things that we're going to be doing that, hey, everything is going to work out all right. And sometimes that's not the case. And Peter Campo today is going to be talking about some of these things and what is the adaptive process that he lives by. Um, Peter Campo, welcome to the show. Thank you. All right. So here you are. You're, you're an engineer. You're, you have this music background. Obviously, we have a, 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 a set of uh, guitars there and, and things of that nature. So tell us, how did you go? Uh, what was the inspiration uh, writing the book? I think it, it was a combination of two things. I had always been interested in how creativity and innovation occurs. Started in, in my musical days early. Uh, and then as I learned about the scientific method and, and you know, was in graduate school in uh, engineering. And then also at DuPont in business, supply chain, operations, whatever the subject was. I always had a fascination with that. And over time, you know, I, I came to the conclusion that it was a really a Darwinian process. It was really an adaptive process where, where, where we're uh, reacting to our environment over time rather than this perfect vision of the future that we plan the future and then go get it. So that was the first driver. The second was I developed quite a frustration with the state of strategy, theory, and practice inside and outside of DuPont. And the two are very linked. Um, and those two together uh, inspired me to spend all this time. Gotcha, gotcha. All right, so let me ask you this. Um, just like I mentioned in the intro, you know, most strategies uh, are based on these long list of supposedly good things to do. Um, and at the same time, you know, most strategies fall short, then sometimes they just die on the shelf. Talk about what is our hangup? What is, what is our attraction to these long lists? And why do so many strategies uh, sit on the shelf? Well, I think a lot of them sit on the shelf because they are just long lists of, of supposedly good things to do, or they're just platitudes, you know, and goals themselves that don't really give any direction to people on what to do and how to make tough choices. But it's great that you're keying on the list aspect because lists are so easy to write. And everybody in the room, and most strategies are created by some kind of team process, right? Everybody in the room feels so good when every topic is hit. We used to say sometimes, you know, as long as everybody got their bullet point, on the list, they're satisfied, they're happy. And with the, uh, you know, the aversion to conflict um, and the aversion to have to really suffer through what are the right things to do, 
the list is just so easy. Everybody's anxiety goes away. It's on the list. Who's going to argue? Look at how beautiful this. We're going to make everything better. And of course, if everything matters, nothing matters. And these lists are really, they just do terrible damage, really. It's just, it's just a way for us to feel better. I, I think in many ways, it's a way to do things easily and a way for teams to feel like everybody's heard and no one's left open to criticism because it's all there. Right. Right. Well, okay. So give me your take. Uh, you know, first of all, give me your definition of, of a strategy. And then second question would be, why is strategy so misunderstood? Well, my take on a strategy is that it is actually a kind of a special kind of rule, a policy that, in my language, busts the bottleneck to achieving the aspiration, meaning it's a it's a policy that helps make this that helps people make decisions and understand where they are to get around what's in the way of achieving the aspiration. and why strategy has been so misunderstood over the years and why there's so many definitions that very well-known writers and very well-respected people put out there, you know, this is a little bit of a mystery to me, but I do trace it in part to the fact that we're still not thinking adaptive. We're still thinking we just need a list of goals and plans and we'll go then, we'll go do it. And that's kind of very convenient for leaders, right? Here's our list of things to do. If all these things get done right, we're going to have success. Now, everybody, go ex execute. And if it didn't work out, it must mean that people didn't execute. So I think it's a part of, it's very hard to write strategy when you admit that you don't know what the future is going to be exactly and that there's the possibility of multiple futures. You know, what's the old saying? Don't paint a picture of what the future is going to be because you know it's really not going to be that. Right. All right, well, let me ask you this. Uh, we talk, we've been talking about this adaptive, uh, you know, uh, this adaptive method versus the standard method of, you know, planning everything out and, and, and writing these long lists. K kind of give us uh, your, your viewpoint. Uh, what makes this adaptive uh, emergent approach uh, better? Well, again, it comes down to um, setting yourself up to adapt to the world as it unfolds, as you start walking down the road with some principles instead of this is the way it's going to be. And then when you get down the road, you find out it's not exactly that way. And what now? But I think also your question um, brings up that this whole idea of adaptive comes in a, in a few different places. It also comes in in how you create strategy itself. So in, in the corporate world, often and, and in, in uh, nonprofits, and government and so forth, there's this very kind of standardized idea of creating strategy. Maybe you've seen it listed in chevrons. We'll set our goals. We'll go do a... Uh, analysis of the market or the environment. We'll go do some research. Then we'll set some plans. Then we'll create a strategy. 
then we'll create some metrics. And, and, and it's done in this kind of standard order, stepwise. An adaptive way is to draft the whole thing in a rough, very rough sense, and then start evolving it as a whole and getting feedback and stressing it and beating it up just as species, in a sense, right? Species in nature get out into the world and they have to compete. They have to, they have to uh, deal with the stress of the environment. So the idea of a minimum viable strategy alternative matrix is what I promote. Um, drafted early and then lived with. This is a very adaptive process versus a stepwise. And actually, it's kind of a, a take on agile software development where years ago um it was it, you know it was discovered look you just can't create strategy one line at a time and then send it out it doesn't work that way you have to did i say strategy or software you can't create software one line at a time you have to create a minimum working complete piece of software and then evolve it let customers beat it up let beta users beat it up let see how the marketplace takes it and then evolve it over time and that's the agile method so that's another angle in which adaptation comes in here it's actually how you create strategy then a second angle is then is that strategy so tight and just this list of things about the future that you're sure are going to occur or is it based more on some deeper principles that allow the people in the organization to find the future and just so long as they stay within the guide rails, the guideline. Gotcha, gotcha. I like that. All right. So if if there's a CEO or a leader department head that's listening to us today and they want to get started with this emergent approach, this adaptive approach, what are the first couple of steps? I think one great first step is to stop writing the lists and then get this awful blank piece of paper that you've got where you would say i want you to write down three things i call it a triad in the uh in the book and it's really almost always the first place to start can you really articulate your goal without jargon without the word strategic strategic markets strategic products strategic resources do not allow yourself to use jargon and write down your aspiration, what you're trying to achieve in clear, plain English or whatever language you're using. Then write down what's in the way. What's, what is really the barrier here? And these, and I give lots of thought starters for bottlenecks. Is it money? And, and too much money can be a bottleneck too, so let's not forget that. Is it resources? Is it skills of people? Is it numbers of people? Is it sacred cows? Is it we can't get past the old days? Is it, is it we don't have the right products right now? Whatever it is, and there's so many categories. Articulate what you think is really in the way of that aspiration. And I have guidelines for how to do this. And then start to say, well, what would be a policy? What would be a rule that would help us bust this bottleneck, that will get us around this? So for example, you want to grow in a new region. That's your aspiration. And you can say, oh, you know, and I'm not even that excited about aspirations in general, but say you want to grow in a new region. 
and you have an aspiration to do it in a certain number of years to get to a certain share or to create a market, then what's, what's in the way? And imagine how different the strategy is if the problem is you don't have the right product platforms versus you've got great products, but people don't understand them. Or we don't have a, a distribution system. Get into that bottleneck first and then go after the strategy. So this would be my number one thing. Start with this triad without jargon, without the word strategic, your aspiration, what you think's in the way, and this and what you think could bust what's in the way. Yeah, I like that. Uh, I think that uh, certainly one of the biggest bottlenecks is our ability as humans to overcomplicate versus simplify. And that goes right to the list. Yes. I mean, this morning I took part in a strategy session. Um, the list, it was six pages <laughs> with levels of goals and objectives. It had goals, objectives, plans, sub-objectives. It went on and on and on. And you know, the more there is, the less you see. Just like metrics, the more you measure, the less you see. I give an example. Uh, I just had to include it, even though it's not a business example, of uh, the U.S. strategy for winning in Iraq back in 2005. And uh, to illustrate lists, 335 list items in three, four levels of, you know, four bullet point levels, you know, dashes, solid bullets, you know, open bullets, <laughs> little, little arrows and things like this. Um, it's just remarkable how it, it, it says nothing, though it says so much. It, you know, it tries to say so much. So that is a terrible bottleneck. And though and I'm really glad you said that because when I say this about this little triad as a starting place, and of course it gets much more sophisticated than that, but aspiration, bottleneck, strategy, rule, without jargon, it sounds so trivial, but try to do it with your team where everybody starts to really get what's being said and everybody can articulate it in the same way. It's not so easy. It sounds easy, but it's not. Right. It, it, and what's the old saying? It's simple, but not easy. Absolutely. It's much harder to write something simple. And how many, you know, I, one of my descriptions of these lists is it's like warming up and never playing. It's yes. like submitting your outline as a draft that you created for your paper in school and just submitted that. Right. Instead of saying, what's really the conclusion here? What's really going on here? And I, you know, I have to say, Richard Rummel, um, you know, uh, of UCLA and now retired, uh, he has a new book out, The Crux, and his book, Good Strategy, Bad Strategy, uh, has been a bestseller for 10 years now. He really, really goes over this issue. What the hell is going on? And you just writing down everything you think is good doesn't help you get there overcomplicates and gives you the belief that it's getting you there when it's not. Yeah. Well, and, and look, I think that 
uh, when you think about it, I could certainly see a bunch of people in a boardroom or a Zoom meeting and you come up with, you know, whatever these hundred things to do. Everybody walks away feeling good. Hey, we got something done. You, you feel like as though you accomplished something without accomplishing anything, without setting any, any clear strategy or objectives or obstacles that, that need to be dealt with. And, but yet we have a hundred supposedly good things to do. Hundred action. We have a hundred action items, and now we're just going to execute. And I think what's linked to this, we blame too much success and failure to execution because we kind of look in hindsight and say, "Well, did they get a good result or not? They must have executed." But I think I think part of the problem is that we we end up having to blame success and failure and execution because we never really had a strategy. Right. We can't even know what we were really executing on. You know, you really can't execute on a list of sub goals and plans and platitudes. Right. Know? Well, and to your point, look, by, by figuring out the simplest way of saying it, uh, remove the jargon. And you, 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 if you can simplify that so everybody gets the meaning and the difference you know, between, let's say, a, mar a good marketing campaign and a poor marketing campaign is how easily is that message understood. And if you overcomplicate a message, we've all seen commercials where at the end of the commercial, you don't even know what they were pitching because it was so fancy and schmancy and, and sometimes it was funny. But yet, what were they selling? We don't know. But when it's a clear message, it's going to separate those who might be interested from those who are not going to be interested. And, and, and it's a winning marketing campaign because it's simple, but yet clear. And I think, you know, to your point, people get, you know, that, that's actually much harder to do than people realize. Yes. It's very hard to do without just writing cliches that would apply to anybody. Right. Right. This is the best. We're the best. Versus really trying to grasp what's special about you yes that you need to market and being able to explain that and oh you know i'm i have that challenge here with the emergence approach how do there's so many books on strategy right so many right. theories so much written everybody's sure they're doing it right right how do you explain the difference between what you've got and and uh what exists these are very hard things to do but the longer you the longer your explanation, it really is true, the harder it is for people, people to get it. Well, you know, one of my favorite, uh, when, so when I teach a, a marketing class, one of the examples that I use is Apple was not the first MP3 player. No. Um, Sony had come out with an MP3 player. And but their message was so cluttered. It was so unclear. They were they were focusing on the technology. Most consumers don't care about the tech, you know, but Apple had this real simple, simple, simple message, a thousand songs in your pocket. And then you see a guy walking out the door, you know, he's already dancing. He's got, he's got, you know, he's got his iPod in his pocket and he's got the headphones on. He's walking out the door. Very simple, very clear. But I bet you that Apple probably spent months putting that 
strategic message together because it was so simple. People got it immediately. I don't know what an MP3 player, but I want a thousand songs in my pocket. Yeah. I think I, I, uh, I talk a little bit about Apple and uh, some good writing about it, how much they suffered through the demos for their products and demanded a certain standard um, and how much innovation there was this tough work in the trenches, you know, rather than just free thinking, which is another big angle in my book that um, innovation and creativity is not about free thinking. Yes, there's a free thinking dimension, but the essence of it is really very, very disciplined thinking. But it has to be done in a certain way and in a certain connection to the freedom and so forth. I was always interested. I, I grew up in a musical family. My father was a jazz musician in New York. And it's interesting, maybe not as much today, but when I started at DuPont, um, most of the people, a lot of writing on what was great creativity, uh, the illustration they gave was jazz improvisation. And that, you know, like, oh, look at how free they are. Whatever comes to their head, you know, they just have no inhibition. And right. Well, the truth is, if, um, if you're improvising in music and it's just freedom, it's usually just cliches or just random nonsense. You know, the great improvisers had a, had a, they had a strategy. They had a rules. They, they might not be able to tell you what it was, but deep inside of them, they had a discipline that drove them into a certain place, not the cliche, drove them into a new place. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Peter, all right, so if somebody wants to buy the book or if they want to uh, find out more about you, what's the best website for that? Well, emergentapproach.com. And I'll mention that uh, I put a lot of supplemental, supplemental material online, uh, not just what traditionally would be appendices, but extra examples. And I've got something called the five uh, task sets, which are... Uh, a, kind of a, a little bit of a handbook, a guidebook to implementing the practice that's in the book. Nice. Um, so I think that people can find a lot of good uh, background and some FAQs and so forth on the website. So that's just simply emergentapproach.com. Of course, Amazon to get the book. And my LinkedIn channel uh, is is getting beefed up now with new with new information, and I'll be doing a series of little write-ups called Questions I Get About the Emergent Approach. So I think those three places, go to Amazon.com, get the book, my uh, website, EmergentApproach.com, and then LinkedIn. Great. And I will put all those links in the show notes. Uh, Peter Campo, thank you so much for stopping by. It's been a pleasure having you on the show. Thanks, Bert. Appreciate it. Hey, guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun, too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.